Hey, what's going on? This is Billy Newman, and you're listening to the Billy Newman Photo Podcast for September 1st, 2017. I am coming out with another podcast today. I'll put it up on my website sometime later this afternoon. I figure I'll stop by a coffee shop or something and fill it up. I'm out in the truck in the mobile studio. I'm in the middle of a work day. I'm trying to get some media stuff finished. I know I haven't put it up many, uh, many new things recently, which is uh, a shame. It always kind of ends up happening this time in October. August, I suppose. It's either I get busy, or I get busy with stuff that's uh, not this. I don't know. But ultimately, I was thinking about it. I need to jump into Hootsuite, and I need to put up, or you know, I need to like figure out and schedule a bunch of stuff, and see if that can come together in some kind of interesting way. But uh, I don't know. I was thinking about it, and uh, like trying to figure out the different stuff I should put together. There was this other service, like uh, I had written a bunch of posts for. I'm gonna try and find that and try and put together. So, I don't know, just some of the new portfolio stuff that I could send out and uh, keep some nice photos going up. But I've been trying to work on my Instagram page and trying to do some networking stuff with uh, with some people on Instagram, which has been working pretty good. You know, it's a, it's a good tool for stuff in the Northwest of trying to communicate with, uh, you know, more people and people in your industry or people that are kind of uh, associated with uh, some of the media stuff that I'm trying to do. So that's been kind of fun, trying to do some outreach stuff. I heard from a guy from uh, KEH. <clears throat> that was kind of interesting that, uh, I, I don't know, I guess, he, I guess he heard an episode of the podcast, which is cool. So right on, man. Thanks for uh, tuning in for a second. And overall, the KEH experience has gone swell so far. I, uh, I did like a trade-in of equipment, you know, and I got a decent price on, uh, on some of that. So that was a, a pretty good experience. I got the equipment back that I was looking for. So that was good. And, uh, and I'm happy with the... A7R so far. In fact, I've been looking at uh, trying to pick up a battery grip for it. You know, I did a wedding this weekend, which is great. Um, shooting a wedding, and, and those are those are really fun events to go through. And the A7R did a pretty good job in almost every capacity. I love the low light of it. The way the sensor works is really great. Super high quality. All of those things, they fit the mark for what for what I need. But it was interesting. I was noticing that in low light, the autofocus. For that camera, it really doesn't function in the way that I need it to, or I'm missing some stuff that I really want, and that's where I see the real benefit in um, in some of the older systems. I mean, even like con like contrast based autofocus systems that were in the Nikon or Canon systems for the last like 15 or 20 years are really superior to what I'm seeing in some of the expression of what the early uh, Sony autofocus stuff can do. You know, it's like in focus, right? You're looking at a frame, it's in focus. Your autofocus point is on the thing. It's a contrast point. There's plenty of light on it. You go to autofocus and then your lens just spins out and it does nothing for like four seconds. It just spins out to infinity. You see just blurriness. You lose the moment completely. It comes kind of back in. Maybe it finally grabs focus and then you take the picture, but you kind of miss everything, or you, you just, I don't know, like, there's a lot of times where you're, you're waiting for the camera to focus, but really should just be, like, pull up to your eye, it sees focus, you hit it, grab it, click it, go. I'm having a harder time with that than what I thought I might, and I think some of that could be because of uh, the uh, the lack of the phase detection autofocus system that, like, the, the newer A7R two has or the a7 II, a7s2 a9 or yeah a9 right yeah that's a that's a sony one and like a lot of the new canon cameras they have this uh, phase detection system it's supposed to be some better 
multiplexing system of finding autofocus, but there used to be systems that worked pretty good. Like my D3 had 53 autofocus points and it could pull up, I think, it, I don't know, something like that, but it, you know, it had plenty of autofocus points and it could grab your autofocus point. Even in pretty low light, it could kind of get, oh, that's at infinity or, oh, that's pretty close to right next to me, so I'll stay there. And so it's interesting kind of learning how that behaves, but overall, the photos from the wedding came out really well. A lot of the stuff worked out very nicely. I've been really happy with it. But another thing that I noticed is with running, with running a camera as a device, like more like an iPad or like more like your phone, you know, where it's got, it's got some screen on a lot of the time. It's got processing stuff going on. It's moving gigabytes and gigabytes of data to a card. It's just drawing from the battery almost constantly. I mean, like during a wedding, I guess to kind of think of power consumption like this, I wrote 48 gigabytes of data to SD cards. And so that's going to take some amount of battery energy, you know, stored energy to write all that data to a card. And so in that capacity, I kind of do get that it would take a good bit of power to, to write that much information down, to capture it and then write that much information if you think about everything that it has to do. So in that way, and then run a screen and, you know, run the processing and run it visually and all that. Uh, so I kind of forgive it in a capacity. But what I noticed though, is that I really did go through a couple batteries uh, shooting in just sort of a regular fashion at this wedding for, for most of the day. It was like a full day of shooting, but it, but it really was burning through those batteries pretty quickly. Like you look at it, you're like, oh, whoa, I just, I just used like 10% in a pretty short amount of time. Um, and so with that, I was kind of thinking, and as it's been the plan for a long time for just, uh, I don't know, kind of like a, uh, best use case for professionalism, what I really want to do is get the battery grip that goes in accompaniment with the A7R. And the battery grip, I think, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's like a Sony piece that fits, yeah, everybody's seen a battery grip before, but you know, the one where you can throw the two, the two camera batteries into the battery grip, you can get an extended amount of life from your camera that way. And you get like the, the portraits or what is it like the vertical shutter release, you know, so you can flip your camera up and shoot in portrait mode and, uh. Uh, yeah, I like the size of it, the look of it. Uh, it'll be an awesome kind of co compact uh, professional. What is it? Not SLR. I keep wanting to say professional SLR, but an interchangeable lens camera. An interchangeable lens camera. That's rolling right off my tongue, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I want to go for the... Uh, for the battery grip, though, and I think that could kind of uh, solve some of the problems that I'm having with battery usage issues of the camera kind of coming up dead after after two or three hours or whatever it is. So I don't know. I've heard uh, I've heard of plenty of other people in relationship to wedding photography kind of complain or grouse a little bit about some of the features that are associated or some of the things that make the workflow of wedding work of a wedding shoot go by a little bit more difficultly with. Uh, with a featured camera like the A7R. But I've heard of people that are really into it too, so you know, it seems like uh, it seems like a couple different things. But low light autofocus, definitely an issue on that camera. I can definitely tell that, uh, that there's some stuff it doesn't do. Now, so with that, and with the concept of like what I really like to shoot, or you know, like kind of still moving things, or the, the landscapes, low light, fine art stuff, if I try and get into that more, I wouldn't really run into that same kind of problem uh, with as much repetition, because you know, you're not shooting a high volume of frames, you're not shooting an event-based situation, um, so it's kind of a different sort of scenario, and you don't really seem to, you, you're, you're wanting to manual focus and take time and take multiple frames of the same thing in, uh, in some of those uh, some of those more set up fine art situations. 
or landscape situations. Like you're trying to take your time in those. Whereas in with event and wedding photography, that kind of process, it's just it's really fast. You're trying to move different moving elements into different places and get photographs of them. And you're just doing a lot all at one time over a short amount of, of you know, length of the the amount of time of the you know the event. So I don't know. It was all right. I did a great. Uh, had a great time at the wedding. Had a bunch of. Or, you know, saw a bunch of people, had a bunch of food, got a bunch of great photos, brought them home, started processing them. That's a really interesting part of, you know, going through, like, a big batch of photos. And I've gotten kind of used to that over the time of getting through a big batch of photos. But it is always sort of overwhelming when you're like, wow, that's a lot. That's like a whole big data project I got to go through now. Like, I, <laughs> you don't realize, like, how much uh, it, was, it really takes to get through a bunch of stuff when you finish it. So, it's cool. That's the photo stuff I've been doing. Other than that, but, uh, maybe you've seen a, a couple bits from, um, from, uh, from some of the Instagram stories or Snapchat stories that I've been putting up. I've been trying to learn Unix. I've been trying to learn like the, the Mac OS command line terminal stuff. I don't know if you guys have learned any, uh, any stuff in, sh- in a shell language before. Way back. Like years ago, like back in the 90s, you guys might remember when you, when you got your first PC at the family. And like when I was a kid, I really wanted to play video games. I wanted to play video games so bad. But all the video game installation systems for Windows PCs, they were all this DOS-based system. So you had to put in the disk, and then you had to like go into DOS, and then change it from the C drive to the D drive, and then do some command line thing that I did not understand at all at the time. Any of those directions were way over my head. So it was always like so hard and frustrating. I remember just having kind of like... Uh, you know, panicked frustrations about trying to get command lines to work and not understanding what you're supposed to type in or that there's commands you're supposed to put in. It was always so frustrating. I learned it a little bit, and I'd gotten into computers when I was young, and so I figured out some DOS stuff early, but I was never proficient in it. I could never really move about a file system in a command line before. And so it was cool. I, I, I didn't really know anything about the Mac OS system. I know that uh, it's Darwin. I know that Mac OS was based on Unix and, like, the Unix... Uh, file handling system, kind of the same way that like Linux is based on that, and uh, Unix is like the old command line system of file management stuff. I think that was back. I, there's all sorts of stuff I don't understand because there's like the PowerShell system, which I guess is more for scripting languages, or for I guess there's a lot of powerful stuff you can do on that server side, and then there's a lot of stuff originally that stuff was set up as where it's like more like a file cabinet system and I've been kind of learning about that I'm not an expert on any terminal stuff by any means but it's been really cool kind of getting a bit more understanding about how to get powerful use out of a Macintosh computer and uh, it was cool learning a few commands on it I guess if anybody wants to try it I'd go into well I'll tell you what I've been doing I don't know if you guys would want to do this but um, I've been going into terminal I installed a new shell in terminal called fish. When you first get started with shell or with the terminal on Mac, it's the bash shell. You can learn, I guess, what that stands for. It's like the born again shell. I don't know. It's something that came out in the 70s. It's, you know, it's like early 70s, right? I don't know. This stuff goes way back for, uh, for computer stuff. But, uh, but I installed like an updated shell that gives me a couple different color modifiers and it kind of helps. It helps fill in, it helps auto-complete some of the stuff that you're trying to do on command line, which saves a ton of time and makes your my syntax use way easier because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know when to put a space. Do I put a dash and then a space and then a letter? Or do I just not? Or how do, how do I pipe a command? What am I doing here? So uh, none of that stuff I really understand. And so the auto-completion stuff of a more modern shell that you install on top of that makes a big difference. But first, it takes a huge amount of time. I guess you can type in man, man, 
and that'll be that that will bring up like the manual for Unix or for all the Unix commands. And you can kind of get a handle on how to learn that, but really the best way is to go to YouTube and to follow a tutorial for a while of, of learning some of the basic commands. Some of the basic ones that I've learned is like CD for change directory. That's how you, you like move from one file to the next file. So if you're in like, oh, I'm in my users folder, but I'm going to go to my documents folder now. So you do CD documents and then it moves you to that. Then you type in LS to list the contents of the folders in that. And then like you look at that and then you can open up those programs in a writing program or you can create files. That's been really cool. I've learned how to do that. The other part that I've been learning is, um, and I, I've not messed with this before either, but is, uh, is with like Homebrew, which I guess is a package manager. It's kind of so you can download programs from the internet or you can download additional utilities or applications into Terminal and then run them from Terminal. It's pretty cool. There's, there's ways you can do more advanced things where you can get... Um, you know, just like your Mac OS apps that you would probably likely want to download. You can get those through Terminal if you'd want to install. But with a lot of these installation packages, it's for it's for these really interesting kind of applications that are quite old, like they're 20 or 25 years old. Like you, um, I downloaded an email program that was new, right? It was a command line email program, I think called Alpine. It was made by like the University of Washington back in 2001 was the last time it was updated. And you're like, hey, wow, that's pretty new software. No way, that's cool. Uh, but you can look around and there's all these different formulas. Like there's MP3 players, there's file converters, there's video converters, MPEG converters, there's like system utilities, there's disk usage utilities, there's networking utilities, there's games. Like I put Zork on there, I put Tetris on there. Uh, I've been trying to like learn a few things uh, on just, you know, how to open stuff, how to run stuff in there. And it's been kind of cool. There's, there's all sorts of environments in there that I just had no idea really existed, but there was a whole like functioning computer system that existed without the graphical user interface that we put so much time into. So anyway, it's been, uh, it's been fun. Uh, it's just kind of a hobby thing, but uh, I've been trying to learn a little bit of productivity out of it too, because there's, uh, like I would ever do this, but there are some interesting things that you can do. One of the commands that I thought was interesting was the SIPS command. You can probably look that up like man SIPS, man space SIPS for the, the manual for the command SIPS. But I guess that's the, like a Macintosh image processing thing, something, commands, uh, system. I don't know what it does completely, but there's cool things you can do with that where if you have a folder of images, say you find a directory and it's got a folder of images, but those are all large images and you want to resize those for the web, you can duplicate that folder. This would be the process I would do. Is in the GUI, I would, I would make a copy of that folder. I would navigate to that in command line and I would type a command like SIPS space and then the name of the folder or like the, the size of pixels I want the image and then the name of the folder and it would process in the command line it would process all those images to be resized to that format and to that size so it was interesting I did an experiment like where I was taking uh, some photos that were like five megapixel images and then I would drop those down to 400 width pixels uh, or you know like a, a, a 400 pixel width image that I could put up on a website and it was cool. I could just take the whole folder and then I could write the command and then you could see it process out all those images and then you go back and it would be a resized image. It was really cool. But it's just interesting kind of seeing your computer work and then understanding how to layer in commands and get some action out of it. I hardly know how to do anything. I'm totally novice at it. I can barely kind of move up and down the file system and get something interesting to look at. But most of all, it's just kind of me like looking at it and go, huh, how about that? But I don't know how to use it at all. I mean, there's so many system developers or, or like network analysts or, you know, people that actually like get into computers that aren't in media. 
And for computer development or for, for application development, there's still like a whole range of uses and applications and systems that people that are in that really get into quite deeply. So you can kind of see like how powerful these tools are. And at a certain level, when you're trying to get into powerful tools, you, you just move into terminal. You move into everything that you can do in Unix. It's really interesting. So it's been kind of fun to do. I'll talk about it more in uh, kind of a fun, goofy way. But uh, yeah, man, getting into Unix. It's good times. So thanks a lot for listening to this podcast. I'll uh, try and record another one soon. Enjoy your Labor Day, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.